G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story. My parents had a church camp. I was just finishing uni and so I wasn't absolutely flushed with finances. Mm-hmm. And so I said, we should drop into the camp, get free lunch. Ah, there that we was go. the plan. Yeah, free lunch. And a man was preaching and he saw me. He finished preaching and he actually cornered me and spoke to me personally and literally said, I actually have a strong sense of God is showing me he's got a plan for your life. It's this, this and this. The story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, Wayne Alcorn is the head of the Australian Christian Churches and has been a pastor of a church in Brisbane for over 20 years. But at one point in his life, Wayne wanted to have nothing to do with the Lord and being a Christian. Even though his father was a pastor and had undergone a tremendous conversion, Wayne wanted to head off in a different direction. That was until God kept putting significant people in his life and kept tugging at his heart. Today we'll hear Pastor Wayne Alcorn's full story as he has a chat with Phil Edwards. Where did it all start for you? Where were you born? I was born in Gosford, New South Wales. Ah, yeah, a lot of people know me as a very proud Maroon and I have spent... 95% of my life or more in Queensland, but I was born <laughs> in a little town, Central Coast, New South Wales, called Gosford. We left that state before my first birthday. Okay, so Maroons, I'm guessing you're talking uh, state of origin, rugby league here. Yes. And as I understand it, the rules are it's where you first played professional club football. Right. Determines whether you're a Maroon or a Blue. Yep. Yep. So have you played, played football? I played a lot of rugby league. Oh, well, yeah. at club level? Yep. In which state? Here in, in Brisbane. Well, there you go. There you I go. know, I know. So you're I, allowed. Unfortunately, the selectors weren't there when I played my best game. So uh, there you go. Never made it, and uh, we've uh, we've moved on to other things. So you got a thing for Brisbane's because uh, you live in Brisbane, the city right now, but born near Brisbane Water at uh, Gosford there, beautiful part right. of the, the country. yeah. yeah. Uh, left at one. So what, what, what were your parents, uh, you know, what was their background? Where did they go? I was born into a preacher's house. Ah, yeah, pastor's my, kid. Yeah, my parents met each other at Bible college. Um, they both came from absolutely the opposite ends of society. Okay. My dad has an amazing story. It's He was the town drunk that got saved in a little town called Dolby. Yes. On the Darling Downs in Queensland. Got saved in an open air and uh, rolling drunk, met Jesus out there when somebody preached whom the sun sets free is free indeed, got saved out of a terribly broken background, went to Bible college within six months. Wow. And, uh, yeah, yeah, he'll, he'll tell you the story. It's quite funny. I mean, I think most of his exams were passed by 50.05% <laughs> or something. But, you know, he's he's been a follower of Jesus all of my life. He married my mum just after they came out of Bible college and uh, – and they served God in country towns, pioneering churches, leading small churches in places like Dolby. He went back to the place he got saved, mm-hmm. Mundubra, yep. um, some churches here in uh, in Brisbane, Ipswich, and he he led in other places like Cairns, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and was the the national was the state evangelist for our movement for many many years. So you moved around a fair bit as a kid. yeah, as a little fella, yeah. What was yeah, that we, like? Yeah, not fun. 
you know, turning up, you know, you're the new kid with the different uniform. Yep. And uh, I think it gave you resilience, but yep. and uh, we've got friends all across the state and across the country from my early childhood years. So, you know, I think I just got to see a lot of the country and, and it was fun. And I, I the churches that, that I lead and that I'm part of now, they're a little different to the ones that I grew up in, you know, and it, it wasn't always the coolest thing to be a preacher's kid. Back yeah. in those days, and yeah. I think um, I think I struggle with that. To be quite honest, as a younger fella, a lot of preachers' kids push back. Mm. Uh, were you in that category? No, totally. I didn't follow Jesus at all in my teen years, and uh, I don't think I really had a problem with God. You know, growing up, I got into a bit of mischief and a little bit of trouble. Nothing too serious, but um, you know, sport and fast boats and fast cars and all that stuff along with my uni years and all the questioning that goes with that um i got a little lost and uh i would would happily get involved in in a number of things but you know there were some things i couldn't do and i couldn't deny the reality of god john lennon came out in the 70s and brought a song out called imagine there's no heaven i actually couldn't sing it even Mm. if i was not in a good place i Mm. couldn't sing it because i actually knew there was a heaven i knew there was a god from heaven uh and uh, and God was just lovingly bringing me in. He brought good people into my life, friends who just loved me and pointed me in the right direction, praying parents, some youth leaders that put up with the rat bag preachers. Did, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, it was it was just one of those times where I had to find God for myself. You know, the old preacher used to say, "God's got no grandkids," and uh, I couldn't have my parents' faith. I had to have my own. I had to work it out. I was that kind of person. I questioned a lot. I had to, I had to have a genuine encounter with God for myself, and that mm. happened. And uh, he arrested my heart just after my 20th birthday, and I've been a follower of Christ ever since. And uh, soon after that, became a, a youth leader, and then the journey began in Christian leadership. Mm. But you did have that moment. I guess you could call it a come-to-Jesus moment mm. in your early 20s. Did you say you were 20 years old? Yep. Where you realized that you actually needed to surrender yourself to God, I suppose. Mm-hmm. What happened? How did that happen? It's, uh, it, was, it wasn't a moment. It was a series of events. Okay. Um, you know, I, I was doing very well. I'd, I'd graduated from university, had a great job, and uh, my life was good. I had a GT Falcon. I had a, had a V8 ski boat, and I thought my life was just – You'd absolute, made it. I'd made it. And yet there was always that thing. And I, you know, if you're somebody that's been on a, a bit of a journey and you've wandered a little and you've got praying parents, just give up. You're wasting <laughs> your time. Uh, um, <laughs> I learned that. And, and I, you know, I had praying parents. I happened to be up at Noosa um, and I was with a, a young lady friend at the time. And at, my parents had a church camp at Noosa just at the back. It's still there. I think it's now a youth hostel or something, but just off Hastings Street, and they had a a youth camp. I was just finishing uni, and so I wasn't absolutely flushed with finances. Mm -hmm. And so I said, we should drop into the camp, get free lunch. Ah, That was the plan. Yeah, free lunch. And uh, I walked up to the campsite, and somebody saw me and said, oh, glad you're here. Come on in. Meeting's not over yet. Come and join us. So I did, and I sat in the back, and a man was preaching. And some of you know a, a colleague of mine by the name of Pastor Alan Davies. And he was preaching, and he saw me, and he, he actually he, he finished preaching, and he actually cornered me and spoke to me personally and literally said, I actually have a strong sense that God is showing me he's got a plan for your life. It's this, this, and this. 
And I didn't budge, to be honest. I mm. said, okay, I feel like I've set up. Thank you. I want lunch. <laughs> I went to a youth rally the following week and somebody did the same thing. They, they hadn't communicated to each other. Mm. And the following week, so when this is now three weekends in a row, following Sunday, my father had a guest minister that was going to speak for him at, at our church in Ipswich. And uh, I was working on my ski boat. I was actually putting a new four-barrel Holly Carby on my on my V eight as you do as you do, uh, but it sounded great. It was magnificent, <laughs> and, and I was uh, I was literally covered in grease. And the guest speaker for the morning drove down our driveway, and he walked over to the boat. And he, you know, I was I was something to behold. I had hair past my belt in those days, and uh, you know, sitting there covered in grease. And he said, "So you coming to church today?" I said, "No, I, I don't go Sunday mornings. I occasionally go Sunday nights." He said, "Well, I really would like you to come." I said, I'm going to be really busy. And this is what this guy did. This is practical love. This is being used by God. He said, what if I got in there and helped you? This guy was dressed to preach, as you did back in the mm. you know, late 70s. Suit tie. Uh-huh. Safari suit, probably. Uh, maybe. <laughs> he, took, he, you know, he, he took his jacket off, took his tie off, and he started passing me spanners. Wow. Turned out the guy was actually a mechanic, knew his stuff, and I got the job done way too quick at time. <laughs> I said, he said, well, you're finished. You've got no excuse. I said, yeah, well, we'll see. And he drove off, went with my father. They went to church, and I just knew that I had to go. Mm. And again, I made sure I arrived late, sat in the back seat, and a similar thing happened as for that encounter at the camp. The guy finished preaching, and he actually said, Wayne Elkhorn, I wonder if you'd allow me to pray for you. And he prayed the same things that happened at that youth camp, at that family camp. And uh, I buckled. Mm. I just said, okay, God, I give up. I'm hearing you. Got a plan for my life. And literally the things that they were praying, I am living out today. I lived out through you know, starting a ministry called Youth Alive, leading a church, now doing what I can to help the church in our nation. All those things were being prayed over me as a young man in my 20s. That okay, God, these people haven't talked to each other, but you're talking to them to talk to me. I give up. And, you know, I, I struggled, I'll be honest, the first few weeks, I, I thought, it was this just an emotional thing? And and I, you know, I just remember being alone on my own on a couple of nights and just called out to God for his help. And literally, I felt the change, I felt the call of God come onto my life. And I finished my, my role with the government, I continued to serve there for the next four years or so. But, you know, around 24 years of age, I I gave it all up and became a youth leader and youth pastor and senior pastor and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and the journey happened. The interesting thing is that person that prayed for me that very first time on that family camp became the assistant who served beside me for 12 years. The person who led me to Jesus or started that journey then served me and stood beside me in my national leadership role for the next 12 years. Very humbling. Yeah, it'd be very special. Very special. You're listening to The Story. Today, Pastor Wayne Alcorn is sharing his life journey and how he started off not wanting to have anything to do with God and being a Christian. But as we just heard, God finally got a hold of his heart. We'll hear more of Wayne's story, including how he met his wife, when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. 
or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're back with more of Phil Edwards chatting with Pastor Wayne Alcorn, who's sharing his life journey. As we heard before the break, Wayne originally didn't want to have anything to do with the Lord and being a Christian, but we also heard how the Lord gradually won him over and he eventually surrendered his heart to the Lord. Next, Wayne shares more of his story and how he met his wife. Interestingly, Lynn and I were little kids in a church that my father pastored. Yeah. Seven or eight years of age. In regional Queensland. Somewhere. No, no, this was in Brisbane. In this Brisbane, one of the, right? Yeah, he, pastored, he pioneered a church on the northern suburbs. And uh, their family joined our church. And we had a little bit to do with each other then. Didn't see each other at all for the next many years. 13, 14 years. Mm-hmm. And roll the clock forward. I was now a follower of Jesus. I was sitting in a building, which, by the way, 20 years later, I became the senior pastor of the church that mm. meets in that building. Okay. Go figure. Uh, I'm sitting. It had a balcony. I'm sitting with my friend, and I'm looking down, as you do as a 21-year-old, looking down at the girls. You know, these people are worshiping Jesus. I'm, to be honest, <laughs> checking out girls. Okay, don't judge me. And I see this girl that I knew from my childhood, and I said to my friend, I'm going to ask her out. And he said, mate, she's out of your league. <laughs> I said, I know, but I bought a brand new boat this week. And so, you know, it's just really important that you synchronize things. And I made sure that as I was coming down out of the balcony at the end of that concert and she was walking into the foyer that we met at that, that moment, you know, and the music filled the air, the whole thing. And I went up to her and I said, hey. And she said, hi. I said, guess what? I bought a new boat this week. Would you like to see it? She said, I guess so. So I said, next Saturday, I'll take you water skiing. Taught her to ski. She told me after we got married that for the first six months of going out, she actually liked the boat more than me. (laughs) (laughs) However, hey, it worked, all right? It was a good strategy. It was a good strategy. 39 years later, we're still going strong, still loving God, loving each other and serving him together. So it's been good. So nearly four decades of marriage. Mm -hmm. What have you learned? What's the big (laughs) lesson? (laughs) I tell you what I've learned. I've learned that I need to continue to be a better listener and uh, not just listen with our ears but listen with our heart. Mm. And people want to be heard. I I do a lot of work these days with men and with dads and I tell them the same thing I say to myself in my marriage. To be heard is so close to being loved, most people can't tell the difference. And uh, I've learned that it's wonderful when you listen, you catch people's heart. Oftentimes you're hearing more than just good ideas. You're hearing things that have got a lot of meaning. And uh, I tell you, hanging in there, going the journey, the, 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 the joy that we have of living together, serving God together and watching our family unfold and them serving God in their own way is just magnificent. Do you still take a water skiing? I do. Yeah? I do, yeah. A little less. Um you know, the bones aren't what they used to be. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, and my boat's a little slower than the ones I used to have in my 20s. But um, we, we still enjoy going out, being, you know, we've got a beautiful bay here on our doorstep in Brisbane. We like to be out on that and, you know, snorkeling, fishing, whatever. It's, it's beautiful. The water's my happy place. Mm. What about as pastors? Uh, you, you're both very keyly involved as leaders in the church where you've been for 20 years. Mm hmm. 
What's that like as a husband and wife? I've not, my wife and I haven't served in that capacity together, and I sometimes wonder it might be difficult at times. It is difficult at times because we work with people, and um, even in this last couple of years, people have really doubled down on questioning their faith. People have been followers of Jesus, mm-hmm. and I don't think people know the pain of watching people walk away from faith like a pastor does. And so, you know, we, we've had the joy of literally seeing thousands and thousands of people come to Christ. But I tell you, sometimes you balance that with just the sadness of seeing people make decisions that hurt themselves, hurt their family, hurt their future. And so, you know, you, you temper all that because on the upside, just to see us make a difference, raise generations that serve in God, loving God, making a difference in their community, which is something we're really strong about. Mm. Um, that That's wonderful. But, um, you know, people that are, are listening today, I would really encourage you, pray for your pastors. They are human and they've got emotions. They've got to get up each day and navigate their own lives and their own challenges. And so um, I think if we could spend a little more time praying than criticizing pastors, I think it would go a long way to helping people. Mm. Um, people think of pastors as having it all together. You know, you're perfect. You, uh, right. you know, you somehow are more holy than the rest of us. Really? I know that's not true. Yeah, it's not true. Are there any epic fails in the annals of history of uh, Wayne Alcorn? There are some famous ones, Phil. Um, yeah, there's a lot, really. Um, <laughs> you do this for 40 years with a microphone. Um, there are some things that you say that are, you know, accidental but really tremendously regrettable. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, um, you know. Do tell. Do tell. Well, <laughs> well, let me tell you one. I was in my mid-20s. We were starting a ministry called Youth Alive. Mm-hmm. You know, I've left that a long time ago now, but um, it was pretty special. God raised this ministry up that had such an impact and still does, and I'm really proud of the team that continue to take it forward. But this was the mid-80s. We were just in it in the infancy of this ministry and we're just getting known and we were in a march in Brisbane. There was a big parade. They used to do it called Warana Festival. I think we do something a little different in Brisbane now, but it had this march and we were invited to be part of it. So I thought, this is great. So we got we got our float done and we were all in the, our outfits. You know, we had matching shirts and caps and jeans. We actually looked the part. And I, I remember having this big moment where I was motivating the team. We probably had 150, 200 teenagers with our Youth Alive band and dancers on the float. And I said, now, there's going to come a moment when we turn around the corner and we head down this main street, we're going to be live to air on ABC TV. We're going to be broadcast across the state. You just take my lead. So okay, we're, we're going down the road and we're singing <laughs> praise songs. And there came a moment and I came around and I looked up and there was the camera. So I jumped up on the float and I grabbed a microphone and I said, give me a J. And they went, J, E, E, U, U, S. I said, what's that spell? And, and some Jewish. some clown in the front was it spells Jews. And so somehow or other, we actually won the best youth float in that parade. Oh, uh, and somehow or other, God still loves me and he still uses me even though I can't spell his name. <laughs> there you go. Many that's, fails like that one, I can tell you. That's very funny. Mm. How do you deal with I mean, I'm sure there's some other ones. Well, I don't want you to tell me the stories, but where maybe you've, you've just 
gone back into your your little corner and gone, God, I don't know what to do here. How what how is that as a leader? Because leaders are kind of expected to get up there and and lead and have it all together, but sometimes you don't. Some of the things that we're navigating in this era are so complex. I'm just glad there's a promise that God said, if we need wisdom to ask for it, Mm. and he'll give it. Mm. And there are some things that we we fall upon. It seems like we fall upon. We just know it's the leading of the Lord when when the answer that we need transcends our experience or our education. He just shows us what to do. I'm so grateful. That's why I actually said earlier, I think it's really important that people are praying for their pastors, for their leaders, both in the church and in community right now, because we need wisdom, we need his Mm. help to navigate all that's ahead of us. That can be pretty challenging when we see our leaders making decisions that we disagree with, that don't align to our values, but yet to pray for them anyway. Mm -hmm. That's what God actually calls us to do. He does. He does. He says, pray for them, don't criticize them. He actually says, pray for them so that you actually live a good life. Mm. That's a challenge. That's challenging. Mm -hmm. All right, let's wrap this up. Uh, Is there a particular scripture that for you has been a life verse? There has been. I'm glad you asked that question, life verse. I'm often asked by young leaders because of the season of life and the role I have now, give me one verse that will actually help me. Give me one verse that I can hang you know, onto as I move forward in life. And my default is a verse from Paul's writings to the Galatians. And it's in Galatians chapter 6. It's my favorite verse to give to young leaders. But in this season, it's had particularly special meaning. There's a word in there. I want you to catch it. He says, let us not become weary. That's the word. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if mm. we don't give up. Galatians 620? 6.9. 6.9. Yeah. Thanks for sharing some of your story with us this morning too. It's been My fantastic pleasure. to get to know a bit more about you. That was Phil Edwards having a chat with Pastor Wayne Alcorn, who's the head of the Australian Christian Churches, or ACC, and has been a pastor of a church in Brisbane for over 20 years. To find out more information, Australian Christian Churches' website is simply acc.org.au. Once again, that's acc.org.au. Finally, I love to hear how God worked in Wayne's life and his advice for men about being a good listener. Wayne said we need to listen, not just with our ears, but with our hearts, because people want to be heard. He went on to say to be heard is so close to being loved that most people don't know the difference. That is, by being a good listener, we show that we are valuing the other person and what they have to say is important to us. It's good advice for our marriages and for any significant relationships in our lives. So thanks for joining us for Wayne Alcorn's story. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. My older daughter had been born, and this is one of the few times that I've ever heard the audible voice of God. I do remember driving home from her birth was about 6.30 in the morning, I know I heard God speak from the back seat of my car saying, Rod, I want you back. I just pulled over to the side of the road and I just howled, cried tears and tears and tears. But I said to God, well, you can have me back, but I'm not going to church. 
Rod St. Hill is known as the business pastor because he leads an outreach to Christians in business. However, at one point in his life, he was suffering from depression and wanted to have nothing to do with the church. We'll hear how God turns Rod's life around as he shares his story next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.